Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. This teaching was recorded live during our weekend service in St. Charles, Illinois. We invite you to join us in person any weekend in St. Charles, DeKalb, Aurora, or Streamwood. Learn more at ccclife.org. And now, enjoy the message. Well, I just finished watching the 10-episode documentary about Michael Jordan. Have you seen that? Uh, I got to warn you, it's addicting. Once you start watching, you can't stop. And uh, as I watched it, once again, I was so impressed with uh, Michael's skills as a basketball player. Simply amazing. I mean, he did things on the court that we, you know, were never done before, haven't been done since. Uh, On the other hand, I was also just a a little bit disappointed listening to hours and hours and hours of interview with MJ. Uh, The dude seems to hold a grudge against people, and a lot of his conversation had to be bleeped and Then there was that matter of gambling that came up even during his playing days. I remember when it first came up, reporters asked him the question, uh, you know, aren't you concerned about being a role model for your fans, especially your young fans? And MJ said, I "I don't want to be a role model. I just want to be a basketball player. And so the age-old question, should we expect our superstar athletes to be role models or not? Well, I'm not going to answer that question. But, but I'm using it as a stepping off point. The, the, the point I want to make is that dads, this is Father's Day weekend, dads are called to be role models in the lives of their kids. No question about that. You know, you're either a good role model or a bad role model, but every dad is called to be a role model. And so today I'm going to be addressing especially those of you who are, are dads and granddads about this very critical assignment. Now, this is a a special week for me uh, because this week is the one-year anniversary of my dad uh, passing into the presence of Jesus. So one week ago, uh, one year ago this week, uh, my father died, and so I've been thinking a lot about the impact that he had on my life. This is my first Father's Day without dad had a huge impact on on my life. And and today I'd like to share with you some things that dad showed me by the way he lived. Now, now not everyone has the blessing of a dad who was a great role model, but I want to say to those of you who are dads and who who are grandpas, even if you didn't have a great role model as, as a dad, you can break that cycle. You can be the example to your kids that you never had. So today we're going to go to school on my dad, if you would. Okay, first half of my sermon is called uh, Four Things Dad Showed Me. And the second half of my sermon is called Four Things Dad Didn't Show Me, But I Wish He Had. And I'll explain more what I mean by that when we get there. Our scripture text for today is the Old Testament book of Proverbs. So I want you to turn with me in your Bible. Grab hold of a Bible. We're going to flip around to a lot of passages. So if you don't get there in time for me to read it, at least jot it down. And uh, speaking of jotting it down, you're going to want to find the outline on the mobile app uh, so that you can follow along. we got eight points to cover. So uh, some things I believe God wants to speak to us through his word, and you're going to want to write them down so that you remember them. Now, I've chosen the book of Proverbs for a reason. Proverbs was one of my dad's favorite books. Uh, 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. He would read a chapter a day, every day of the month, complete the book of Proverbs in a month, and then the next month he would start back at the beginning and read it through again. So month after month, year after year, decade after decade, hundreds of times 
through the book of Proverbs. If I showed you my dad's Bible, you would find that the book of Proverbs is all marked up. He's written notes and comments in the margins uh, of the pages. So today we're going to be looking at the book of Proverbs. It's a book of wisdom. My dad saturated his life in God's wisdom, which is why he was such a wise role model. Four things dad showed me. Here's number one. Dad showed me how to follow Christ. How to follow Christ. Now, if you're in the book of Proverbs, I want you to turn to chapter 3. Okay, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 were uh, two of my dad's favorite Bible verses. He sometimes referred to them as his life verses. So trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, God. Now, two verbs in these verses that I want you to circle. The first is the verb trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Dads, have you ever done that? Have you ever entrusted yourself fully? Have you ever surrendered your life to Jesus Christ as your Savior and your King? Do your kids know that Jesus means everything to you? Have you impressed upon your, your kids that knowing Jesus, loving Jesus, following Jesus is more important than sports or schoolwork or friends or social media or clothes or whatever? You know, my dad showed me what it means to love and follow Jesus with all one's heart and soul and mind and strength. So that's something I want to show my kids. Uh, my son Andrew was talking to Sue the other day, and he said, now, Mom, I know that you and Dad sometimes worry uh, about us kids, and you're concerned about how we're going to turn out. Yeah, every parent is that way, right? And, and then he added, he said, so I want you to be comfortable with the fact that you've raised three kids who love Jesus and love people. So what, what could be more important than that? Now, now, this doesn't mean, Dad, that just because we're, we're following Jesus that our, our kids are automatically going to take that same path. The, the fact is God has given them the freedom to choose, and some of our kids will choose not to follow Christ. Some, some of our kids will make that choice in spite of their dad's good example. But, but let me say to all of you who are dads, our kids are much more likely to follow Jesus if they see that we have entrusted, we have surrendered our lives to Christ, and we, we are loving and following him wholeheartedly. Now, the other verb in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 that I want you to circle, got your Bible open, is the verb submit. In all your ways, submit to him. Okay, in all your ways, submit to him. Uh, my dad surrendered his life to Jesus, but that, that wasn't a one and done thing for dad. Okay, it was the beginning of a relationship with Jesus as the leader of his life, his ruler, his king. And so every day, in every way, dad sought to submit his life to the leadership of Christ. So he would start his day getting instruction from God's holy word. When we came down to the breakfast table every day, Dad would have one of us read a passage from the Bible, and then we'd read a little devotional book that would make application of those Bible verses to our lives, and then we would pray together every day. And every week, 
You know, we would get in the car and we, we would go to church because church is, is, is where you go. You gather with God's people because he's deserving of our corporate praise each week. In fact, I could remember this time of year, uh, June every year, we would go down to Florida for a, a week or two, uh, drive down there in our wood-paneled station wagon. We would take two, two days to drive, Saturday 12 hours, 12 hours on Sunday, and Sunday we'd begin driving, and then about uh, early in the morning, then about 10 o'clock, Dad would pull off the interstate, and we'd be in some you know middle-of-nowhere town in nor- northern Georgia and find some tiny church, And we would go in and sometimes double the church's attendance that day because worshiping Jesus was so important to my dad. That's what he showed by the way he lived. He he submitted to Jesus' leadership in every area of his life. In how he ran his business, in how he disciplined his kids, in how he spent his money, in how he resolved conflicts. Okay, dad was surrendered to the leadership of Christ. He showed me how to follow Jesus. So let me ask dads, are, are you showing your kids how to follow Christ? Now, maybe you don't know how to get that ball rolling yourself. And I would say if that's you, if you've not yet begun a, a real vital relationship with Christ, when this sermon is over, within an hour after it ends, go to our website and, and click on Next Steps. Next steps, and it'll take you to some information that will help you get started in a relationship with Christ, what it means to follow him wholeheartedly so your kids can learn how to do that from watching you. Number two, four things my dad showed me. Number two, how to love a wife. Uh, Turn to Proverbs chapter 18. Okay, Proverbs 18. Verse 22, he who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. Okay, now flip to the very last chapter in Proverbs, chapter 31. Chapter 31, verse 10, a wife of noble character who can find she is worth far more than rubies. Drop down to verse 28 of that chapter. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Okay, my dad made it abundantly clear to us kids that he saw mom as a gift from God, that she was worth more than rubies, that she was deserving of our praise. Mom and dad were married for 73 years. 73 years. Well, just a couple of months shy of 73, but almost 73 years of married life. Now, toward the end of his life last year, Dad was being ravaged by cancer, and he wanted to go home to be with the Lord. I mean, he he wanted an end to the cancer, and more importantly, he was looking forward to seeing Jesus face to face, but there was something keeping him on the planet. There was something that was making him reluctant to go. You, you, You know what it was? He wanted to stay for mom's sake. He wanted to stay so he could care for mom. That was his prime consideration. You know, he didn't want to leave and just turn her care over to anybody who might not do a good job. All right, 73 years showing me uh, how to love a wife. How to love a wife. And if a husband loves a wife, important footnote to this point, he will guard his eyes and his heart against lusting after other women. Dad showed me that too because he learned it from the book of Proverbs. Okay, Proverbs chapter 5. 
Proverbs 5, verse 20. And again, some of these you're just going to have to jot them down quickly as we go and then look them, look them up afterwards. Uh, why, my son, be intoxicated with another man's wife? Why embrace the bosom of a wayward woman? I mean, Proverbs is full of warnings against uh, taking even one step in the direction of sexual unfaithfulness. You know, I can't remember my dad ever. Listen, I can't remember my dad ever, ever, ever gawking at another woman. Never. Okay, now I can recall an incident, kind of embarrassing. Uh, I was at a, a school function for one of my kids, grade, grade school open house. And uh, my dad was there as grandpa. And I remember looking at some artwork, one of my girls, and a really good-looking mom walked into the room. And my eyes began to follow her until I heard my dad whisper in my ear, son, get your eyes back in your head. It's pretty embarrassing to get busted by your dad when you're in your mid-30s, right? But my dad showed me that, you know, that loving a wife means protecting your heart against lust, against porn, against inappropriate friendships with other women. How to love a wife. Here's a third thing my dad showed me. How to work hard. How to work hard. And turn to Proverbs 6, okay? And Proverbs has a lot to say about the importance of hard work, sometimes with very colorful language. This is one of those passages, beginning at verse 6. Go to the ant, you sluggard. <laughs> Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, and yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. Okay, flip ahead a couple of chapters. Chapter 12, drop down to verse 11. Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. So don't chase fantasies. You know, don't, 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 don't sit around waiting for the perfect job or hoping to win the lottery or, you know, expecting some future inheritance. The writer of Proverbs says, no, work hard. Well, my dad worked hard, and he started off with some pretty significant disadvantages. Uh, my dad grew up in India, okay, as the son of missionaries, and when he was 11 years old, his dad died, and yet his mom stayed in India with, with the kids, and my dad was raised there until he was 18, and then he was sent back to the United States on his own, by himself, where he joined the, the Navy, World War II, and they put him on a minesweeper in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Now, when the war was over, Dad couldn't afford the time to go to college. He had to get a job. He had to work. He worked hard, eventually started an insurance business, and was uh, fairly successful. He was never a workaholic. You know, he always made time for family and friends and, and, and church, but man, that guy could work. And, and not just on the job work. I mean, he worked on his house, he worked on his car, he worked on his yard. I, I remember when my dad was 85 years old, he was still living in his, in his own home, and uh, he had hired a roofer to replace some shingles, and 
So I stopped by in the middle of a day. I wanted to make sure the roofer was doing a good job. And as I pull up, there is my dad, 85 years old, and he's climbing the ladder with a pack of shingles on his shoulder. He's going to help the guy work. You know, there's, there's dignity in hard work. The Bible's opening book of Genesis tells us that God made Adam and Eve in his own image, and then he set them to work in the Garden of Eden. I mean, they're, they're living in this paradise, but that doesn't mean they're sipping by the, uh, sitting by the side of a pool sipping pina coladas. They, they're working hard. God's a worker. And so we, we reflect his image when we work hard. Now, uh, unfortunately, work is sometimes treated as a necessary evil in our culture today. Work is what we have to do in order uh, to make some other things happen. So we work so that we could take exotic vacations or so, so that we can uh, play golf on the weekends or buy no, nice clothes or send our kids to private school. Uh, these are all important byproducts of work. But friends, there's a dignity, there's a sense of purpose in the work itself. Now, I was talking with a business owner this past week and he uh, runs a big company. And I asked him, how are you doing during this pandemic and this uh, global uh, economic crisis and so on? And he said, you know, we have been holding our own. We've been doing really good. And in fact, we haven't had to uh, let anybody go. He said, my, my management team all took a cut in pay so that we could keep everybody on board. And I said, wow, that's really cool. And then later on in the conversation, I ask him the question. I say, so what can I pray for you, bro? And he, he says, well, well, pray for our workforce. We got a number of holes in, in our workforce, and I'm, I'm having a hard time hiring people. And I said, well, wait a minute. I thought you didn't lay anybody off. And he said, well, we didn't lay anybody off, but when some of our workers, when they saw that they could make a certain amount of money through unemployment and stimulus checks, they quit. Listen, dads, we need to show our kids the value of hard work. Hard work. Here's a fourth thing my dad showed me. Uh, he showed me how to give hugs. Now, in the interest of full disclosure, there is nothing, nothing about physical hugs in the book of Proverbs. However, there, there's a lot in the book of Proverbs about giving verbal hugs, and I happen to think that uh, physical hugs and verbal hugs, they kind of go hand in hand. And my dad gave both. My dad was an extremely affectionate man. He would come home at the end of a busy day. He would take off his suit and his tie. He would grab me. We'd tumble to the floor and then roll across the living room together. Loved, loved, to, uh, loved to lavish hugs and kisses. I mean, till the day he died, my dad would kiss me on the lips. All right? So physical hugs. No, no, you won't find them in the book of Proverbs. But what you will find are verbal hugs. Okay, you'll find many references to using words to encourage and communicate love to others. So uh, Proverbs 10, verse 21 says, The lips of the righteous nourish many. You can nourish others with your words. Uh, Proverbs 15, Proverbs 15, verse 23, a person finds joy in giving an apt reply. And how good is a timely word? See, dads need to give their kids verbal hugs. 
we need to throttle back, dads, on words of scolding and nagging and criticizing and ordering and threatening and uh, consciously speak words of affirmation. Proverbs 23, uh, verse 24. Proverbs 23, 24 says, The father of a righteous child has great joy. A man who fathers a wise son rejoices in him. Ever rejoice in your kids? You know, we need to catch our kids doing something right and then praise them, rejoice in them. You know, I'll tell you what, I never outgrew, listen, I never outgrew my need to hear that my dad was proud of me. Uh, from, from the day we opened Christ Community's doors uh, till the day my dad passed away, he was a regular at our church services. And on a weekend, I could hear from scores of people, hey, great pastor, uh, great, great sermon, pastor. But I still wanted to hear my dad say, you knocked the ball out of the park, son. And he would. Verbal hugs, verbal hugs. Well, I've given you four things that my dad showed me as my role model, and now I'd like to give you four things my dad didn't show me, but I wish he had. Okay, some years ago, a a counselor friend said to me, you know, it's good to take some time to reflect on what we didn't get from our parents. Okay, this is not to be critical of mom or dad. There's no way any single human being can be a role model in every area of our lives. And this counselor said, you know, if we figure out where the holes are, we could then look to God to supply our deficiencies. So we could be good parents to our kids. So that's what I want to do. Now, I want to give you four things my dad didn't show me, but, you know, I kind of wish he had. Number one, how to be vulnerable. How to be vulnerable. Now, I've already described to you how my dad was something of a self-made man. Grew up in India, lost his dad at age 11, thrown into the middle of World War II, started his own business from scratch. Dad was a pull-yourself-up-by-your-bootstraps dude. But you know, those kinds of people have a difficult time being vulnerable. Now, what do I mean by vulnerable? Proverbs 14 Proverbs 14, verse 13 says, Even in laughter the heart may ache, and rejoicing may end in grief. Sometimes a happy face, the writer of Proverbs says, sometimes a happy face can cover up an aching heart. I mean, sometimes a person who is upbeat and resilient is actually grieving on the inside. And in the body of Christ, Among brothers and sisters of faith, we're supposed to share our hurts with each other so so that others can care for us and and, and pray for us. You know, I'm not talking about constantly rehearsing our woes in a narcissistic sort of way. I'm talking about being honest with fellow Christ followers about our struggles. And my dad wasn't very good at that. In fact, I can remember times when I knew that he was going through some personal turmoil. There was trouble in his business or crisis in the family or some uh, health issue uh, that, that they were unsure about. And dad wouldn't even mention those things to his buddies. I mean, there were, there were times when I, I, I said, now, dad, did you share that with the guys in your, in your community group? Well, no. Dads, I want to say to you, it's okay to be vulnerable. 
It's okay to say, show, show your kids that you're not invincible. God's invincible, you're not. It's okay to show them that you hurt. Here's another aspect of vulnerability. Okay, Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28, drop down to verse 13, says, Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Now, my dad was a godly guy, so I'm quite sure that he kept short accounts with God, that he regularly confessed his sins and received a a fresh wave of forgiveness from the Lord. But you know, the scripture also says, James chapter 5, verse 16, that there is a benefit from confessing our sins, not just to God, but to some reliable confidant, a confidant who will then pray for us and who will hold us accountable to make changes in our lives. I'm not aware of my dad ever having that sort of an accountability partnership with a Christ-following bud. You know, but I have learned over the years that I really need that kind of a relationship. You know, I need somebody who's checking up on me. I need somebody who's getting in my face and asking hard questions about my marriage, about the temptations I'm facing, about my workload, about the stressors, you know, that... uh, are showing up in my life. While we've been sheltering in place, I I haven't been able to meet in person with my accountability partner, but I want to tell you what, we haven't missed a meeting. Uh, We connect by phone every other Wednesday morning, and we spend about an hour together on the phone, checking in with each other, getting real with each other. I need vulnerability. Here's a second thing. I wish dad had showed me, but, you know, didn't. How to listen. How to listen. The the book of Proverbs encourages us to listen more than we talk. Okay, Proverbs 17. Proverbs 17, drop down to verse 27. says, the one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. Here's another proverb that says the same thing. One chapter later, uh, Proverbs 18, verse 13, to answer before listening, that is folly and shame. Now, these are hard proverbs to apply if you're extroverted, okay? If you're bubbly in personality, if you're a a salesperson by trade, if you're slightly ADD, and that was my dad. My dad was a super friendly, outgoing guy. Let, Let me give you just one example of this. Uh, when, when my dad was a boy growing up in India, he learned Hindi. And he never forgot his Hindi. And so all through his life, I remember uh, countless instances. If dad would see an Indian-looking person at a ball game, in a restaurant, at the shopping mall, he would make a beeline to that individual and start talking in Hindi. And it always resulted in the uh, beginning of a little bit of a friendship right there. But, but you know, the downside of dad's gift of gab was that he was a better talker than a listener. I mean, e- even when he tried to be a good listener, even when he asked a searching question, he, he wouldn't always wait for you to finish your answer. Proverbs 20, verse 5, would have been a good verse for my dad to chew on. Proverbs 20, verse 5, the purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, But one who has insight draws them out. Draws them out. 
Dads, do you draw out your kids? Do you ask good questions? Do you listen patiently for their response, their full response? I'm still working on that. You know, try, try not to make statements, but to ask good questions. Number three, you know what my uh, dad didn't show me? And that is how to coach others. How to coach others. Now, uh, let's suppose that you're a golfer, okay? Wouldn't it be wonderful if you had the opportunity to play around, to play 18 holes with a pro? And you, you could just watch what he does up close and personal. Think how much you could learn about golf. You know, but what if, taking it another step, what, what if that pro was not just a good role model? What if that pro coached you? Okay, what, what if he showed you how to adjust your grip or, or your stance or your backswing? What if he, he explained why your ball is slicing and ending up, uh, you know, two fairways to the right? Wouldn't that be wonderful if, if this pro didn't just serve as a role model but served as a coach? Much of the book of Proverbs is written from the perspective of a dad who was coaching his son. Uh, Proverbs 23. Okay, Proverbs 23, drop down to verse 19. This dad says, listen, listen, my son, and be wise and set your heart on the right path. And then for the second half of Proverbs 23, the dad goes on to coach his son with regard to how to deal with alcohol, how to avoid alcohol abuse, okay, and why that's so important. He explains it step by step and throws in some great illustrations. He coaches his son. He doesn't just set a good example as a drinker himself. You know, in terms of how he moderates it and whatnot. And he, and he doesn't just, you know, it doesn't suffice to throw out an occasional one-liner like, haven't you had enough? You know, this dad takes the time to patiently coach his son and give him the, the reasons and the rationales and, and uh, you know, so, so, some good practical advice to put into place. He does the same thing. The dad does the same thing with regard to sexual temptation. Okay, three chapters Proverbs 5, 6, and 7, three entire chapters on the topic of how to deal with sexual temptation. Now, I've already told you that my dad, he was, he was stellar when it came to resisting sexual temptation. So I could go to school on my dad. I could watch my dad. But this is an area in which I could have used some coaching. <laughs> I could have used some, and I won't go into the details on that. I, I needed more. I needed more than a good example. I needed coaching. You know, I could also have used some coaching spiritually. Okay, spiritually speaking, my dad was a five-star Christ follower. Uh, I didn't surrender my life to Christ, however, until my freshman year of college. Now, what took me so long? My dad was a, was a role model in this regard. See, I, I needed more than a role model. I needed somebody who could help me work through some of my misgivings about church. I was kind of hung up about church, wasn't crazy about church. I, I needed someone who could show me step by step how to read the Bible and make application, make sense of it, make application to my life. Uh, more than just a prepackaged devotional that we read together as a family at the breakfast table. 
Okay, I needed someone who would work through uh, what sins were keeping me back from yielding to Christ because there were things I didn't want to give up in my life and following Jesus would, would mean full surrender. And I just needed to talk that through with somebody. Let me say to those, those of you who are dads and who are Christ followers, are you coaching your kids spiritually? Are you coaching your kids spiritually? Not leaving it all to your personal example, but actually coaching them. You know, what about coaching them with regard to how to resolve conflicts or how to manage money or, you know, how to study or how to eat and exercise in a healthy fashion? You know, dads, don't be content with just being a good example in these areas. Your kids need a coach. And if you're wondering, well, how do you become a good coach? I, I want to say to you, our kids' world pastoral team and our student ministries pastoral team, they've done an excellent job of posting some helpful materials. If you'll go to our website and track down Parent Pathway, Parent Pathway, you will find a plethora of really good, helpful resources there. Here's a fourth thing. You know, things my dad didn't show me. How to manage anger. Okay, I should have known that I wouldn't have time to complete a, an eight-point sermon. I don't know what I was thinking, throwing out eight points. So I just have time for a real quick word here about anger management. But the book of Proverbs, this is a huge topic in Proverbs. Uh, chapter 14, verse 29. Whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Chapter 15, verse 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 16, verse 32. Better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control, than one who takes a city. All the way to the end of the book, chapter 30, 30 verse 33. As churning cream produces butter... I love the metaphors here, okay? Colorful metaphors throughout Proverbs. As churning cream produces butter and as twisting the nose produces blood, so stirring up anger produces strife. Now, my dad was not an angry man by nature. I mean, my dad didn't go around slamming doors or punching walls when he was upset. Never, ever abused me or any of my siblings, uh, not physically, not verbally. Okay, and I can only remember uh, one cuss word ever coming out of my dad's mouth. I'm serious about this. Only one time in all my years of growing up can I ever remember my dad using, using profanity. He hit his thumb with a hammer, and out of his mouth came a word that I had certainly heard a lot at school, but never heard come out of my dad's mouth. However, I knew when my dad was angry. I mean, he would give me that look, a look that would cause the hair to rise on the back of my neck. And as I got older, I began to notice that dad's way of dealing with anger was often to shut down, to just end the conversation, walk out of the room. And I'm embarrassed to admit that that's sometimes how I deal with anger. 
dads, are you a good or a bad role model when it comes to processing anger in a God-pleasing way? We live in an increasingly hostile, angry culture, intensified by this uh, pandemic and the economic collapse and the racial unrest in, 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 in our country today. So how are you doing with managing anger? You struggle in this area? You know, what, what are you going to do about it? There's, there are some good Christian books on the topic. I've read one or two in the last year. Maybe it's time to look up a Christian counselor and just work through some of your responses to life situations. You know, at, at the very least, you need to get yourself, guys, you need to get into a men's community group where you're sharing things you're struggling with and guys are talking openly, I hope, pray, about things like anger management. God calls dads to be role models. Now, if your dad was a great role model, thank God for him this weekend. And in those areas where maybe he didn't serve as a a role model, there's a deficiency, seek God's help in filling that hole for your sake and for your kid's sake. Let me pray with you. As we bow together in God's presence, I want to especially appeal to those of you dads who, um, you know, you can't be a role model to your kids spiritually right now because you're not there yourself. And there's an easy way to get started. You know, we, we, we call it the prayer of surrender. And the prayer of surrender has three important words to it. The first word is sorry. So if you're praying with me, and I, I hope at this point, no matter where you're watching this, that you're able to cut out all extraneous noise and just focus for a, for a moment. The first word is sorry. God, I am sorry for my sins. See, our wrongdoing keeps us at arm's length from a holy God. You you can never have a relationship with Jesus until you're willing to say, I am sorry for the things that I've thought and said and done that are wrong, that are repulsive to you, a holy God. You know, maybe it's even some of your failures as a dad to say, God, I'm so sorry. So sorry is the first word. Can you you say, can you look at your life and in all honesty say to God, God, I'm sorry for my sins. Second word is the word thanks. You know, thanks be to God that he sent us his son. Why did Jesus have to come to the planet? To die on the cross for our sins. Why did he have to die? Because that was sin's penalty. Did you know that? See, when you go your way instead of God's way, something we all do, you disconnect from the God who's the giver of life. And so the consequence is death. And if you've never surrendered to Jesus right now, you are spiritually dead on the inside. And one day you'll physically die, and if this problem isn't corrected in the world to come, you will eternally die. But God loves you so much, he sent Jesus who took your death, the death you deserve on the cross. Have you ever said, thank you? I want you to become my Savior. I want you to be my Savior. Thank you for the forgiveness that you offer, having taken the penalty for my sins. So you pray sorry, you pray thanks, And the third word is please. You say, please come into my life now and begin to manage, begin to lead it. I want you to be my king. Please, please, please. I want to learn what it means to follow you. I want to be the role model that my kids desperately need. 
Would you tell Jesus sorry and thanks and please? And by the way, before I end this prayer, sometime in the next hour, okay, go to our website and click on Next Steps. And it will ask you, did you just make this decision to surrender to Christ? And depending on your answer, it will give you resources that will help you get started walking with Christ in a day-by-day basis. God, I want to pray for all the dads out there and granddads and uncles and those who are just being good mentors to kids. I pray that we would be good examples. Thank you for this book of Proverbs, God. Use the eight lessons that we learned today to challenge us to be godly uh, men and women uh, who are great role models for kids, God. Uh, We pray all this in the powerful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen.